Our scripture passage this evening is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 16, can be found in your pew Bible on page 1,887, 1,887, and as you turn there, I want to remind you that in our evening services, kind of in correlation with uh, the Explore God Chicago morning services, we have been, well, it's 1,188,190. You know, unbelievers or people who don't know Christ uh, in the morning service. But how do you build relationships with them so that they would ask you these questions? And then when they ask you these questions, how do you handle that situation, those circumstances? What's the way in which you go about living evangelistically? And uh, that's what I've tried to kind of uh, put shoe leather on, so to speak, uh, for these evening services so that we could begin to live these kind of uh, characteristics out, and we've talked so far about ones like noticing people, um, praying for them, asking them questions, listening to them, uh, welcoming them into your life, facilitating self-discovery, loving them, uh, so on and so forth, and tonight we're going to be talking about the art of sharing, Um, sharing, How how do we or why do we share? Our faith with others. So let's read our scripture passage this evening. First Peter chapter three, verses eight through sixteen. Here now the reading of God's word. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their splendor. Or not their splendor, their slander. I'm having trouble talking tonight. I said, that didn't sound right. Let's follow the reading of God's Word. So, um, just recently, I watched a short video from a news station from a little town in Massachusetts. And the premise of this video was that there was a young girl, she's about two years old, who... um, who lived in that community, this neighborhood. 
And the only thing different about this young girl was that she was deaf. And so she was just starting to learn sign language. And you know how two-year-olds are. They like to talk to people. And so when her parents would take this little girl named Samantha out into the community, she would want to talk to people out in the neighborhood. And then those people, their neighbors, would realize, oh, I can't because she is signing to them and they don't know sign language. And it would be crazy to expect that the entire neighborhood would learn sign language just so they could talk to this two-year-old girl. And you can't really expect that, but you can be thankful when they do. So this small neighborhood in Massachusetts actually hired an ASL instructor, and they would gather every week everyone from that neighborhood or a number from that neighborhood, and they would, uh, they're learning sign language so that they can talk to Samantha, Sam, the two-year-old girl who lives there in that neighborhood. And when I saw that, I just thought it was a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of community, a beautiful picture of what really matters. But also, I, I saw it as a beautiful picture of people overcoming whatever limitations they have so that they can share a relationship with this little girl. And I thought it fit perfectly as we are going to be describing or talking about our desire to share the gospel with others tonight. So, our theme for the evening is that one expression or an expression of our gratitude for salvation is a heartfelt desire to see others come to know Jesus. An expression of our gratitude for salvation is a heartfelt desire to see others come to know Jesus. And I use that terminology of gratitude because I figured many of you would be able to key into that. That's the third part of the catechism. That is the proper use of the law. That is that as Christian believers who have true faith in Jesus Christ, who have been given the indwelt Holy Spirit, we don't pursue the law or follow God's commandments out of a desire to win him over to us or to appease him, but we do so because we seek to please God in our gratitude, our thankfulness for the salvation that we received. And one of those fruits is a desire to see others come to know Jesus. And we're going to look at this in three parts. Love that leads. Two, our deepest need 
And three, the glory of God. Leads need, and I couldn't come up with a word that worked there to rhyme, so sorry. Love that leads our deepest need and the glory of God. An expression of our gratitude for salvation is a heartfelt desire to see others come to know Jesus. So many of you might be thinking, it's rather strange that we've been in this seven-week series about living evangelistically, and the last thing that we would talk about is actually sharing the gospel. But as I was pondering that, I kind of wanted to make sure that you all know that these nine arts of uh, spiritual conversations are not like a nine-step process, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We talked about that a little bit when we talked about love, because I said that love is what binds and connects all these together. Well, the same is true of this spiritual, or the art of spiritual conversation, sharing. Sharing can be done at any number of places on this um, map, if you want to call it that. It is not a one-size-fits-all thing. We can share the gospel the first day that we meet someone. At least they'll know where we're coming from, right? But it's also the desire to continue to build a relationship with them that builds off that, um, that uh, heartfelt expression of them coming to know uh, Christ or the desire for them to come to know Christ. So let's look at point one, love that leads. And I talked about this a little bit when we talked about the, the art of spiritual conversation that's love, and that is that um, love should be the motivator in evangelism. Love should be the motivator. And when I say love is the motivator, uh, I'm saying um, that ultimately, just an abject feeling of duty or responsibility is going to fall short in making people feel as if what you're telling them is from somebody who cares about them, if that makes sense, right? Uh, if you just say, well, you know, i got to get my... My, my two gospel presentations in this week, um, that's, that's law. And um, that's not gospel. So duty or responsibility is, is insufficient. It has to be directed by flowing out from love. International evangelist Louis Paulus' research shows this fact. 75% of all those who come to Christ do so through a relationship with a Christian friend, relative, or co-worker. The Institute of American Church Growth reports an even higher percentage was stating that almost 90% of the 14,000 Christians recently polled by them say that they came to Christ through a friend or relative who invested in a relationship with them. So this is what I'm talking about. Um, there's nothing wrong with the, you know, revival tent, Billy Graham type meeting where we bring all of our lost friends to that moment and they come forward and they sign uh, the back of the Bible or they say the sinner's prayer. Uh, God uses that. He does. He has. Um, but the majority of people come to Christ through personal relationships. 
personal relationships. This is largely the means by which God brings people into his kingdom. And as you develop these intentional relationships with people that we've been talking about all through these past six weeks, about noticing someone, praying for them, building a relationship with them, serving together with them, asking them questions, facilitating self-discovery with them. These people that may not know Christ, you begin to see them differently. You want the best for them. You want them to come to know the reason for their existence. The reason they were created. The comfort and hope that is found only in Christ. That's what you desire for them in this personal relationship. That's what you long for them to have. So the first reason to share your faith in Jesus should be a genuine love and concern for others. Genuine love and concern for others. I didn't spell genuine right, and I'm not going to even try. Genuine love and concern for others. I want you to think about the way that Peter is describing this in, in 1 Peter. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16 or verse 15 is often used as an evangelistic, you know, catch-all verse, right? The reason why I wanted to uh, read to you in more context, 8 and following, is because Peter is writing to people who are suffering. They are being persecuted. In fact, uh, he calls them exiles. And so many believe that they've been uh, thrust out of their home. Because of their faith in Christ. And he's talked to a number of different categories of people. Calling them to faithful life in, in Christ. And all of these situations are difficult situations. Uh, I, I can think about this. Submission to rulers and masters. Maybe those who have even stole, taken their own property or kicked them out of their homes. You must still be submissive to them. Uh, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Okay. Wives, submit, be submissive to your husbands. And maybe some of them don't even believe the word, but they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So wives, be submissive even to your unchristian husbands who may be treating you poorly. And then he comes to this. Finally. Live in harmony with one another. Don't repay evil with evil, insult for insult, but bless and do not curse. Who's going to harm you? Verse 13, if you're eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear what they fear, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But Do this with gentleness and respect. Peter's talking to people who are being hated mistreated and persecuted and he's saying be ready to give them an answer now tell me that's not an expression of genuine love and concern is that if you're loving your enemies those who are speaking vilely of you always be ready 
to give an answer to those who are persecuting you. Those enemies whom you are called to love. Now this is what I want you to get from me. This doesn't mean you have to know someone for a year before you share your faith with them. I don't agree with that model entirely. In fact, as I was reading this small booklet about the nine arts of spiritual conversations, they kept saying, repeating this phrase, you've got to earn your right to speak to them. And I get it, you know, uh, nobody cares. Nobody, uh, nobody cares, that, or nobody, uh, they're not going to care about what you have to say to them unless they know that you care, basically, is kind of what is being stated there. But, I mean, we can share the gospel with people that we've just met, as I've said. It doesn't always mean you have to earn the right to tell them about Christ. It means that genuine and heartfelt love for the other person must be what leads you into gospel sharing. Out of love, we are sharing our experience and understanding of who Jesus is and how someone can come to know him. We're not selling a product. Jesus is not a product. He is life itself. There's, uh, this is not a, we're not salesmen, so to speak. Salesmen and women. Now, uh, let me give you something to think about, okay? Have you ever had a friend try to tell you or try to sell you something you didn't want to buy or talk you into an activity you didn't want to do? Now, in the age of online social media, this has happened a number of times with me and my wife where an old friend from college or whatever reaches out to you and messages you on Facebook and says, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, hey, I haven't talked to you in forever. How's life going? What's up? And so they kind of do some small talk, and then all of a sudden they're like, so I'm starting to sell Plexus, and I wondered if you wanted to buy any. And you know what that does, right? It empties all the meaning of the prior conversation because now I know there's a trick. There's a purpose behind it. You're selling a product. You didn't really interested in getting back in contact with me. You were wanted me to be on your buyer's list. That's not what sharing our faith is like. And there has to be a genuineness behind our presentation of the gospel and our desire to engage in spiritual conversations with others so that they don't feel like we're just selling a product. So that's love. Love that leads. Love has to lead in our desire to share the gospel. What's my second point? Oh, yeah. Our deepest need. So if Jesus isn't a product, then what is he? And that's what we're going to talk about. The second reason to share our faith in Christ is because we sincerely believe 
the gospel has met our deepest need and will meet everyone else's deepest need. The gospel fulfills or fills or fills full, if that makes sense. So when we talk about passages in the scripture where, we, where Jesus is telling us about abundant life, everlasting life, but this is, not, um, this is not the gospel presentation that I think often falls short, which is um, God loves you, Jesus died for you, and, and God has a wonderful plan for your life, right? Now, there might be an element of truth to that, but often when somebody hears, God loves you, Jesus died for you, he has a wonderful plan for your life, what they think is, what they often think is, is that Jesus is the magical um, key to fixing my life. And then when my life is fixed, I don't need Jesus anymore. He's the solution to all my ailments and problems. And, and, you know, I get it. That's a more, this is a more um, appeasing and kind of um, positive way of expressing the good news of the gospel, right? Because most people don't, uh, don't present the gospel like this. Jesus died for sinners and if you believe in him, you need to know that anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But that's the truth, isn't it? But as a Christian, we may face things that we would not have faced if we were not Christians. But the difference is that underlying foundational hope, the hope that Peter is talking to these people about here in his letter, he's saying, be ready to give an answer for the hope, the hope that you have. What's the hope? The hope is that if my husband mistreats me, the hope is that if my master beats me, the hope is that if the rulers of this nation or this country that I'm in mistreat me, that I still have a hope. A city whose builder is God, whose foundation shall not be shaken. Our deepest need is to be reunited with our maker. The gospel is the incredible message that God has provided us a way to be in relationship with him now and always through Jesus Christ. And that all things that we now see that are not yet under subjection to Jesus Christ will be brought under the sovereign authority of our good God. That's why Abraham Kuyper can say, Christ looks at all things and he says, mine. Our deepest need is that our fellowship with God, which we were created for, we talked about this morning, would be restored. The sin that separated us would be rightly punished. God accomplished this in his son, 
And the good news is good because that fellowship has been restored through Christ. And we can now be reunited with our maker, with God. Because being reunited to God through Christ is our deepest need. And we know, because we're all made in the image of God, that our deepest need is also the deepest need of our friends. And our family and those we're trying to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we ought to be paying attention to the way God might already be at work in our friends' lives to bring them to himself. Pay attention then. When they open up about a health issue, a problem at work, a difficult relationship, share simply, honestly, transparently with them about how God has worked in your life through those circumstances. Be ready to share scriptures that the Spirit brings to your mind in those, state, in those situations to address these specific circumstances that they find themselves in. And as you see them suffer in this sin-cursed world, your heart may go out to them, desiring and longing for them to know the peace that is only found in Christ, a hope that is beyond this world. Knowing that your deepest need has been met in Christ is going to increase your desire for them to know him as well. It's not some shallow, surface-level bumper sticker on your life. Jesus is not a Band-Aid for you. Jesus is your everything. When times are good and when times are bad, just like Peter is talking to with these people right here, and he's saying, even in those horrible, harsh, difficult moments... Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Why? Because it's when this world strips us of everything that the world thinks is wonderful. And we still have our eyes fixed on the Christ. That people begin to say, why is it that they have hope when they know they should be hopeless? And that's where the answer comes from. With gentleness and respect. That we may give an answer to those even who speak maliciously against our good behavior in Christ. Our deepest need has been met in our Savior reuniting us with God. The God who created us for communion fellowship with, the, with Him. And it's through the means by God, uh, which God uses, through the sharing of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he does through us, through these relationships that we are building with others, that they may come to have their deepest need, their separation from God because of their sin, solved in the blood of Christ. This is uh, something that we should always be hoping for and longing for, never losing hope in, even for those we've uh, shared the gospel with, 
for long seasons of our lives and prayed for, for long periods of our lives, there's always time. If there's still time, there's always hope. That's what I meant to say. If there's still time, there's always hope. And the third reason to share your faith in Jesus is because the glory of God is revealed in the saving of sinners. God is glorified. As the saver of sinners. God is glorified as the saver of sinners. We're convinced that God is worth knowing because we were created to know him. We found the pearl of great price. That treasure that makes all others seem like worthless trinkets. And its beauty and value is something we're glad to show to the world. You think you have what you want that all this world could offer? You think that you're satisfied in that? You're wrong. We have the greatest treasure that anybody could ever be given. We have God. The truth is you only share what you believe is worth sharing. You only share... What you believe is worth is worth sharing. What I mean by this is that we need to work hard to regain the goodness of the good news. It's said that euangelion, that word, uh, the gospel, the good news, comes from the, the trumpets that would be proclaimed as a leader would come back into the city marching from, from victory, returning from victory. It's a proclamation of something that has been completed. It's already been completed. It's already happened. The gospel, the good news, the proclamation is that this has been done for you. You only share what you believe is worth sharing. One example of this is that sometimes my wife's friends will say something about how the fact that I didn't share a, a soppy post about our anniversary on Facebook or didn't say happy birthday to my wife on Facebook. I, I said, I live with her. I told her happy anniversary. I gave her a gift. I said, happy birthday. I, I baked a cake for her. But if you don't post it on Facebook, it's not legit, right? <laughs> you only share what you believe is worth sharing. And so because we know God and because in Christ we now have God, we should want to, we should long to share him with others. It's not some self-centered view of evangelism. One that says the reason we should share the gospel with others is because Jesus has made our lives so much better and he can make your life better too. That's out there, folks. Our evangelism must flow from the gratitude we have in being saved by God. Our evangelism must flow from 
revering Christ as Lord in our hearts, as Peter talked about. Our evangelism must flow from a desire to see God glorified in the salvation of sinners. It must flow from the reality that our work shall not be in vain, that Christ came and accomplished the salvation of a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation that cannot be numbered, that Jesus himself said, there are sheep which are not of this flock, which must be found and brought into the flock, and we must go out there in confidence, knowing that our love of neighbor, our love of people, our love and our willingness to build relationships, to care for, is going to result in the salvation of sinners because God is glorified as the savior of sinners like you, like me. This is something that we must work towards bringing more into our lives. A real genuine love and care for people in such a way that we are building relationships with them, connecting our lives together with them, welcoming them into our time and space. And as God allows and as God provides in the sharing of life that you have together, you open up your mouth to share with them the reason for the hope that you have. May all that Christ have died for come to know him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we could consider how to live evangelistically for your sake. We ask, Lord, that you would grant us your grace in doing so. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to be bold in our relationships with others that we may be proclaimers of the good news that Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. May this be a trustworthy saying that is taught and known by all Christians, Lord, that we may bring the gospel of salvation to all who have not come to place faith in you yet. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.